Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting techniques, and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 144. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Josh Pike. The Australian troubadour has recently released his seventh studio record, entitled To Find Happiness. In today's episode, we're speaking with Josh about how he approaches writing songs of a personal matter, working with Gordy, and his ever loyal fan base over the years. Here we go. Our guest today is one of the most popular Australian singer-songwriters of the last 15 to 20 years. Having spent the last few years putting his creative efforts into TV scores for the ABC and another children's book, he returned to music last week with the release of his seventh studio record, entitled To Find Happiness. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Josh Pike. Hello, sir. How are we? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, Whereabouts are you joining us uh, from today, Josh? I'm in my studio in Sydney um, and, yeah, just sort of preparing for another four days of rain by the looks of it. From what I can see in the background, I know that usually there's a few guitars, a few other bits and pieces at a pool table that I see in the studio. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, it's one of the most vital pieces of equipment in the in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think every now and again, it's probably good to kind of uh, take your mind out of the, the musical space and into something that still allows you to kind of be a bit creative, but uh, in I, a different I, way, I, maybe. I definitely play pool more than I write songs, definitely. <laughs> That's very fair. That's very fair. Um, Josh, we're talking today because you have just released uh, your seventh studio record to find happiness. Congratulations. Thank you. My absolute pleasure. Um, I guess being the seventh in the last, where are you now, 15 years or so, does it get any easier? Is it any different from when you kind of first started releasing those records in 2007 or six? (laughs) Um, I, I think it's easier in the sense that um, in a couple of in a couple of different ways. So I think it's 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 easier in that I think I'm a better songwriter. You know, like I, I you know, when you're in your twenties and writing songs, it's all angst and um, emotion, and I still rely entirely on that to write songs I don't I feel like I haven't lost that but I, what I've gained is just a hell of a lot of experience in songwriting so you you want all that angst and you want that that you know real emotional engagement with what you're doing for me anyway you know you know other pop writers and stuff they can 
write pop songs uh, and be focused more on, I guess, the feeling or the beat or whatever. But for me, it's really got to be about the emotional engagement. But yeah, just in terms of, you know, I'm a better player. I, I can, I record all my stuff here in my studio. So it's, you know, I'm a better engineer, I'm a better producer, I'm more experimental. And then also because I feel like I've established my core fan base and I don't really feel uh, entire, I don't feel like I'm trying to prove anything to anybody anymore. So it's, I feel a lot more free, I guess. So yeah, I find it easier. I felt a, a whole lot more fear around releasing stuff, um, when I started and now I just feel excited when I release a record <laughs> and I'm, you know, like already keen to kind of do another one. <laughs> that's very fair. And that's very exciting to hear. Um, this new record is entitled to find happiness and I'm kind of curious whether and we have had a listen to the album and we'll let people who are listening to this podcast make up their own mind is this for you more of a what you found in terms of happiness or your journey to continuing that kind of path of continuing to try and find happiness uh yeah it's definitely the latter so it's it's not um it's not you know like but, you know, I don't find these songs particularly happy. Um, but, uh, but the idea is that, you know, my, my whole life, the, when I'm processing negative things or things that are troubling me or, you know, whether it's the world, you know, the world state of the world or personally, um, you know, I do that by writing songs and producing music and, you know, making sounds that give me an emotional response. Um, and so that's the quest to kind of get, those purge those things and and have that catharsis and and be a functional human in my normal life um so yeah it's definitely about the the search and you know like i'm a, i'm a, I sort of you know i'm i'm a perfectly happy person but um you know that quest for sort of constant happiness i i believe is a bit of a a myth you know like nobody's ever you know it's th- it's like that old it's like that old line from that Persian folk tale, which says, um, you know, even this shall pass. And it's, you know, this Persian king who, you know, goes through war and they're like, oh, you know, that was terrible. And he's like, even this will pass. And then he gets all this gold and they're like, this is amazing. He's like, even this will pass and just keeps going. So I think it's, it's definitely about the search rather than the, the, uh, the actual destination. It's a, um, it's a realist perspective, if you will. Yeah, I, guess, I think it's kind of quite Buddhist, really. Like my my um, in-laws are Buddhist and I, I'm i a proper atheist in terms of organised religion, but I'm definitely sort of agnostic when it comes to spirituality and how you, how you engage in spirituality. And for me, it's, you know, yeah, I think there's, it's, it's all about the, the quest, you know. Like I remember reading years ago when I was in my 20s, I read a, and I was, you know, dabbling in psychedelics, and I remember reading this book called um, uh, what was it called? It was it was the 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 Mescalito way of knowledge or something. It was about a social anthropologist who um, went and tried to become a and became a shaman in South America, and um, and his his shaman teacher said to him, you know, like the only time that you'll ever find pure happiness is like the second before you die. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think <laughs> I can um, kind of agree with that point and kind of uh, coming from a similar maybe standpoint of yourself in terms of it being an atheist and, and um, in-laws or Buddhist, I can definitely kind of 
uh, empathize with, with that kind of viewpoint. Um, your your in laws are Buddhist as well. They are, yes, yes. Really? Oh, that's funny, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I was um, I was going to touch on this a little bit later, but but now that we are here, um, there was a incredible TED talk that you did in Sydney, uh, I believe, end of last year, start of this year, very recently. Mm, oh, last year, yeah, yeah, and it it touched on um, the experience of. Uh, I believe racism through your wife, who's of um, Vietnamese descent, uh, and, and your children as well. Um, and firstly, as, as someone from a, a mixed family, I thought the talk was very incredible and would have also taken quite a lot of bravery because it is. It's a, it, for anyone who hasn't seen it, we'll put it in the show notes of this podcast. Um, but it, yes, yeah, it's, it's an incredible talk, and I'm I'm kind of curious. I know we discussed before, 15, 16, 17 years into your career as a musician, doing these kind of things now, do you find using, I guess, as you said, there's an established fan base um, and, and people behind you now, so there's less pressure on you music-wise. Do you enjoy, I guess, using your platform for things such as this, talking about like your own personal experiences with your family or um, there's the podcast as well, just to kind of give another facet of, of kind of using your platform to, I guess, talk about things other than just like playing your songs or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I pretty, I'm sort of conflicted about it because I, you know, like most of the time, I just, I just want to live my private life and and not, you know, I have you know lots of discussions about these things and you know, like a, you know, wide ranging interests in politics and you know general sort of social psychology and philosophy I guess um and I don't often talk about it but um and I and half the time I'm just like yeah well just that's fine just you know put put what you want in your songs and that that can be as public as you want to be and then I just find myself getting into these positions where I'm suddenly on Q&A and I'm a spokesperson for the <laughs> music industry you know at the beginning of COVID and and then I got asked to do this TED talk and I was like it would be really easy to write a speech on creativity, you know, and, or songwriting. And it would, you know, that would be an interesting talk, but I just, you know, with my wife's encouragement, she was like, you know, why don't you just do something different? And I, and there are a few things that I could have talked about, you know, like I've had some pretty significant anxiety, mental health issues in the last couple of years. I could have talked about that. You know, my mom is, has got Alzheimer's and the grief of sort of the weird, weird grief of dealing with somebody that's still here. You know, I could have spoken about that as well, but it just so happened that two weeks before I got asked to do the talk, I'd had this experience that I talk about in the, in the Ted talk, um, which I can't, I can't be bothered going into now. It's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a long story, but, um, but yeah, so it, it just, it was fresh on my mind and it was something that we'd been talking about a lot. Uh, and you know, it's not, not particularly flattering to me, um, but it's, you know, I'm just a human like like we all are. None of us are perfect. I don't really believe, you know, like I I find it pretty pretty funny when people online and stuff are, are you know, putting themselves up on these pedestals as like the bastion of for wokeness or for a certain, you know, agenda or a certain political or social leaning. Uh, and it's just not true. Like behind closed doors, everyone's a bit shit, you know, and everyone can do better and everyone 
can try and do better and that's basically what the talk is you know i'm a, I'm a bit shit like everybody else and but i'm trying to do better you know and that's <laughs> that's that's all we can do i think of course i think that was um that was maybe the reason why i commended you on it because the talk is it isn't coming from a place of this is my experience this is you know what i think it was kind of from an honest place and from a very realistic place where um yeah, it did kind of point out the the number of flaws that I think everyone has and that kind of just, anyway, it, it was a fantastic TED Talk. We won't hold up too much of this talk about that, but I just wanted to, um, yeah, to address that and, and, and um, have that noted. Um, I know you just mentioned as well that obviously the last number of years haven't been particularly easy, that this record is kind of on the journey uh, instead of the destination to happiness. Um, respectfully with your permission and I wouldn't want to harp on it too much. Um, I would like to talk about possibly the songwriting process. I know that, as you mentioned, your mother is currently going through Alzheimer's um, and that there's one or two songs on this record that kind of, I guess, address that. And I don't want to go into the details. That is your personal life. But when you're sitting down to, to write a song like this, and I imagine it might be a cathartic experience, it might not be, how do you begin that process or is it just something that kind of, uh, I guess, comes out or flows out? Yeah, it's definitely just something that happens. I mean, it's, it's you know, I, I can only ever write uh, from personal experience and from a, from a, you know, from a honest place. And so, you know, that's why I joke to my wife that it's like, you know, my seven albums pretty much charted our relationship as well. You know, I just, <laughs> I I think I've written two songs in my whole life where I take on the character of, of somebody that doesn't actually exist. So um, it just comes out. I mean, it's just what, I don't even know what I'm writing about half the time and then I'll kind of like reflect on the words and I'll be like, oh, that's actually clearly about this and then I'll go back and refine what I've done to make it make more sense to me. Um Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So yeah, just it just happens, and you know I know now not to question it, and I know now that it's the way. Like I'm better at you know I'm better at singing, I'm better at writing songs about stuff than I am at you know talking about it. I find it pretty hard to talk about, and you know that which is part of why you know it's been quite hard to deal with all that stuff. But um, yeah, for whatever reason, it's just I'm lucky to have songwriting as a tool, I guess to 
to get that out. And if I wasn't a professional songwriter, I'm sure I'd be doing it anyway to to kind of get these things out of me. It's a it's a it's a difficult thing though because it's also like you know they're all personal things. But then I also I have an ego and I want these songs to be successful and and popular. Um, but I've never I've never compromised the integrity of the songs to try and make them be better or more commercial. So in some ways I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot by being honest in my songwriting. But on the other hand, I think the people that relate to my songs and their honesty, I guess, uh, will stick, stick around for, you know, 20, 30 years, which has so far been the case. And I'd rather have that kind of career than a kind of, you know, a, one big pop song and, and then trying to always chase my tail from then. Yeah, of course. I can imagine that with anything like that, you're straddling that line of a commercial hit, trying to be honest to yourself, but also, as you just mentioned before, you're still wanting to maintain an element of a private life and kind of imagine keep maybe one or two details to yourself. I imagine it is kind of like a, not a difficult line to walk, but it's something that you kind of have to do uh, with with yeah, everything in mind. One. This this one's been a bit. Uh, I think I've probably ex- exposed my personal life more than I ever have in the last couple of years with you know the TED talk and talking openly about the anxiety thing, and then with mum's illness. Um, and it feels good in in one way because it's. Um, I feel like people have been encouraged to deal with their own issues. Uh, because of being a bit more public about it. But at the same time, it's like I have to be very wary. And, you know, like I run it by my family and, and stuff first because it's not just my story to tell in particular with, with mum. You know, it's everybody's – she's not just my mum, you know what I mean? Like so I've got to be got to be respectful of my siblings and my dad making sure that it's, you know, I'm not sort of going too far into, into the whole thing because um, – so that's that's for me that's where the the real difficulty comes in and just trying to not be selfish about somebody else's story. Of course, I can I can very much respect that. Um with this new record Josh, you do have uh two very lovely guest stars on the record too who I believe who are somewhat close to home. Um one was a recipient of the Josh Pike partnership a number of years ago who was Sophie or Gordy, as people would know her, mm-hmm. um, and the other as your podcast host, Elena Stone. How did um, how did those kind of collaborations come about this time? Uh, well, Alana's like, you know, we, we collaborate a lot um, and she was, I think she just came over from memory, she just came over and we were doing a co-write for her and we just recorded a, a demo and then I was like, actually, while you're here and you've got your... Um, you know, she had a accordion there and everything. I was like, just can you just, <clears throat> excuse me, play on this track and play some accordion on it. Um, and, and so that was Circle of Light. And then I was like, actually, while you're here, can you also just like do some singing? And then <laughs> so we, we did that. So that came about very just kind of just spur of the moment. She happened to be at, uh, at my place. And then um, with Sophie, that was more like I was like, I really would love to um, – get Gordy on a track and so yeah we were just emailing back and forth and I you know asked her if she'd be into it and she was excited to do it so we just emailed back and forth some ideas I had a chord progression which I emailed her and then she like kept the chords but changed the kind of 
rhythm of it, sent it back. Then I wrote some lyrics, sent it back. Then she added like a little, you know, some variations and, and some harmonies and stuff. And then luckily there was one like very short break in lockdown where she was able to actually come to Sydney and and come to here to the studio and and uh, lay down the vocals. So that was awesome. So we got to do that and then... And that was it. So it was, yeah, it was, that one was more sort of uh, planned, whereas Alana just happened to be <laughs> at my house uh, at the time. <laughs> That's very cool. Um, I know that you've obviously done collaborations before. We, um, as all, a little while ago, maybe a year ago, we spoke to Cav about uh, Basement Birds and, and things like that. <laughs> was this experience with Gordy, like sending things back and forth, was this kind of the first time doing a collaboration uh, remotely? Um, it's not the first time, but it's the first time that it turned out well, I've got to say. <laughs> like I've done <laughs> a few co-writing sessions and stuff like that where you're trying to do stuff remotely and it's just, it's often, co-writing is a real funny beast. It's like you kind of have to have a rapport, you know, and so when you're doing it remotely, it's hard to build that rapport. But luckily, you know, Sophie and I already knew each other and we'd hung out before and so we kind of had that um to our benefit. Um, but it's writing songs for me, like co-writing songs for me is like, I've done lots of songwriting camps where you sit down and you try and write a pop song and that's relatively easy because you kind of have an agenda and you have a, like a, an aim, but co-writing when you're wanting to write something that you're really going to love and, you know, stand behind for 20 years and sing for 20 years in the way that I do for my stuff is just I just find it almost impossible unless it happens completely organically so that, that's this one was a bit of a rarity but in the past like um you know like song like um Punch in the Heart that I wrote with Whitley years ago and then Katie Steele sang it you know Lawrence aka Whitley and I were on tour together and we just like were sitting around and and like literally just outside the front of the hotel and wrote the song in in 10 minutes or so and the one that I, you know, that I did with Holly Throsby a while ago, that, that was, she, you know, she was here and we were just actually in the room, um, you know, getting it happening. And, and same with the basement bird stuff. We were all, we, we came, we came with ideas, but we were all there together, just hanging out on Cab's porch for, you know, weeks at a time. So I find, um, the remote thing, I, I think it's a bit like, you know, the, the idea of doing live streamed shows, you know, like it's kind of good in theory, but it's I don't know. It's never quite. It's never quite the same. It doesn't quite work the same. I don't think. I would one hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> I um. I think that's very fair. There's there's something that's still. It scratches a certain itch, but it doesn't quite reach the same heights. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I like. I went to see Augie March last week play Sunset Studies from beginning to end, and it was just like so good you know and it was it was so good and it was so euphoric and i don't know there was just like no way that would have been as good if i was just watching that on a screen it's just <laughs> i just don't think and i did i did a, a a live stream show when covid hit you know i jumped on that and and tried to you know keep keep things going and create value for my fans who couldn't come to the new south wales shows um, and I, I'm sure they enjoyed it, but it's just, it's definitely not the same. And it also affects, it influences the way you perform as a performer, thinking about this other kind of other element, other whole, whole other audience on the other side of the camera. So yeah, I'm, I'm not, not massively into it, to be honest. <laughs> that is very, very fair. I know that, um, 
a, a friend of the podcast, Andrea, is a very, very big fan of yours. Um, and I know that she talks about the kind of fan connection that um, people have at a Josh Pike gig. And I can imagine that when you are kind of performing to, you know, a, a mobile phone or a webcam or whatever the setup might be, that it just doesn't have that same kind of intimacy and, and connection really. Yeah. And that's, you know, like people, you know, some of my fans have been coming to my shows for 15 years and it's like when I go on tour, it's like their chance to kind of, they don't see each other in the meantime, you know, and they, they see each other and it's, it's kind of cool. There's like a community of, of these um, supporters that, that know each other and I know them, you know, and it's so you, you just, and I say, you know, like when I do live stream stuff, I'll see them pop up on the, on the comments feed and stuff, but it's just, it's just not the same. It's, you know. A hundred percent. I think that's, um, that was the other kind of bit of information we got from, from her and from, from the community was that it is, it's a combination of meeting up with, with a community of people like-minded interests and, and, um, things like that. But also the fact that, as you just said, you know them quite well. I know speaking to a few fans that they've said they've gone to gigs, they've spoken to you after the show and you've said, how's this thing or how's this thing from the last time you saw them, which is, I think, um, uh, a very appreciative fan base when they know that the artist is actually, um, one, just a generally nice <laughs> human being, but two, takes an interest I in what's going on in their facade. fans' lives. It's a facade. <laughs> it's all a facade. No, I mean, I think it's, you know, like I think particularly in Australia we have such a, you know, we we have a relatively small market and, um, you know, no, no musician that I know takes for granted the fact that, we can do this for a living. So you got to, you got to respect the people that allow you to do that. Of course. Um, Josh, I know that you are going out on tour in support of the album. I think there's a few shows around April here and there, but then there's a proper tour in June. Are you looking forward to, to kind of being able to get back out on the road? I am looking forward to it. I'm sort of a little bit trepidatious as well, because it's been such a long time. I'm really excited about playing with the band again. The last tour I did, you know, that I was briefly able to do, uh, gosh, the, I guess the year before last, um, was solo and it was amazing to be able to do it. It was such a blessing to be able to play any shows at all. Um, but I, you know, I miss playing with the band. It's, it's great. It's like, you know, that kind of camaraderie and everything. Um, so I am excited and I'm, I'm just, I'm a bit like just nervous as well. It's been such a long time. I'm not, I'm not tour fit anymore. Like, <laughs> like the late nights and and early mornings and then, you know, the adrenaline, the highs and the lows and everything. It's, it's, um, and just trying to, you know, stay on top of, uh, not drinking too much and trying to stay healthy and all that, which is, you know, sometimes any muso will tell you it's, you know, it's not, it's pretty exciting when you, with all your mates <laughs> at a show and then, but then when you have to do it four times in a row and then get up and also go home and, you know, get your kids off to school. It's like, you've got to be a bit, bit more careful these days. Um, so yeah, I'm a bit nervous about like finding my form again. Um, but yeah, generally, generally very excited. That's very cool. I know that, um, uh, there's a show as well. I think in September you're playing with Leon Bridges, um, uh, Teskey brothers, I think, uh, one or two other acts in WA. Um, for you, are you excited? I guess, as you just mentioned, you went to see Augie March, both as a musician, you're excited to get back out on the road. Are you excited to see gigs and festivals kind of coming back in a semi-normal kind of uh, way? 
Yeah, hundred percent. You know, like being being at that gig the other night for Augie March, I was just like, I just felt at home. You know, like I've spent all my adult life at gigs and venues, and you know, when I'm not playing gigs, going to see gigs, it's still the thing that I love the most. And you know, like in times of you know. At the moment, you know, we've got COVID, we've got climate change, we've got bloody Russia invading Ukraine and, you know, I was thinking about all that stuff before I went to the show and then I was at the show and I was like, yeah, but we also, we also have this, you know, and this is this is something worth kind of fighting for. So, yeah, I'm very – I just hope it is actually real because, <laughs> uh, you know, I think there's also a bit of a, a reluctance to go out still from, from people, which is fair enough, you know, like they're still – they don't want to disrupt their lives. They go out and they get sick and then their lives are disrupted. They can't see friends and family. They can't go to work and all that. So I think there's still a bit of a reticence to actually go out and see shows, but hopefully that will, you know, wane during the year. Fingers crossed. I agree with that. I think that we're starting to see more people go back, but it does seem like there's a little bit of uh, apprehension, which is which is totally fair and normal. And as you said, hopefully we'll see that kind of go back to normal a little bit more come or as, as time goes on and we become more used to it or it becomes more of the norm, I guess. Mm. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Uh, Josh, usually we would ask our guests what they're currently listening to. If there's anything um, on your record player or streaming service respectively that you've kind of taken an interest to lately. Um, I've been listening to a lot of this band called Howdy, um, from the States, which is, it's spelt H-O-V-V-D-Y. Uh, and I came across, I was listening, I heard, I heard them on 2SER and then I like did the Shazam and found them and they're really great. So like, I'm, I'm a bit obsessed with that kind of almost like slacker indie singer songwriter stuff. Like, um, uh, or it used to be called Sandy Alex G. Now I think it's just Alex G, but yeah, Christian Lee Hudson and, Alex G and, and Howdy. It's kind of harkens back to like Elliot Smith and stuff, but also, I don't know, it's a bit more, it's got a bit of psychedelia in there as well. But yeah, that's that's mainly what I've been listening to. That's very cool. We'll definitely have to um, have a look at that band and, and we'll put the links uh, in the show notes for anyone who wants to have a listen. We'll also put a link for the show notes for your record, Josh, um, to find happiness. Thank you again for being on the podcast today. I do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Josh Pike for his time. To Find Happiness is out now and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy the record or see Josh on tour. We also want to give a huge shout out to Nick at Sony Music Australia for helping out with today's interview. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Wednesday and Friday morning, and we now have a Patreon, which you can find within the show notes of this episode. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify, and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.